Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sports Scope. I'm your host, Robert Butler, on this 18th day of October. I tell you, folks, they're going really fast. Once you get into the season, this particular uh, into the football season, that long wait through spring after the finals and the summer, right? And then you you start to get into the uh, the long June. July seems like an eternity. Then you get into August. You still a little bit of hype on the football on some preseason games, which are dreadful to watch. Then you finally get the Labor Day weekend. And then you breathe, and, and the whole season is over with. It's what it seems like to me, in my opinion. Uh, welcome to Sports Scope again on this 18th day of October. Going to go over uh, Tennessee-Alabama. That was a massive game. Not just my opinion, uh, their ratings. The ratings, I'll go over the ratings with you a little bit later. Uh, that was a massive, massive uh, ratings getter for uh, CBS and college football. That particular weekend was huge as advertised. Also going to talk about the uh, my Power Five. There have been some changes. Now, this is just week to week, and it was tougher to put in some of these teams because you still, I still feel like they're not really that good, you know. But if you've got a good record, uh, Bill Parcells says you are what your record says you are. You in the NFL, not like college where you can schedule a bunch of cupcakes in the NFL. You just do whatever the uh, the league, uh, the commissioner, uh, you play that schedule that's given to you. You know, you play the schedule that's given to you. Uh, you make adjustments when you're injured, and you have to adapt and overcome. That is what the NFL is about. It's the next man up mentality. So that's how I just put my power five in there. Uh, Going to talk about uh, dome stadiums. Uh, Tennessee Titans get a new dome stadium which puts them in the running to get a Super Bowl here in Nashville. Also, we'll put them, uh, I was reading possible Final Fours. I'm not a big wrestling guy, but I actually know a guy that still watches wrestling. He's like 50. I don't know if I should admit that. But actually, Pat McAfee, he's a big sports personality. He's been into that. So that Dome will be able to handle like WrestleMania and all that nonsense. But um so that's going to be in Nashville, and I'll go over that, what that stuff really costs, and there's some interesting questions about uh, stadiums, who funds what, is it really worth it, uh, and whatnot. I'll go over that as well. But first, last night, uh, I told you I thought, I really thought that, that uh, this Charger team would win this game. Now, mind you, the Chargers have their own injuries. They got Joey Bosa that's out. They've got Rashawn Slater. Their left tackle is not playing. Rashawn Slater. So it's not uh, Keenan Allen. Excuse me. What are the best route runners in the NFL? Keenan Allen uh, can definitely sell you with that quick pivot step there. Uh, he was not playing in this game. Uh, Brandon Staley's a very shaky coach. Uh, I kind of question some of his calls, man. I mean, this he's, it seems like this team gets in fourth and short instead of just rushing the ball. And maybe that's because of uh, Justin Herbert. Maybe that's something to do with his ribs still healing up. But he looks he looks like he's handling it pretty well. But I don't know why they just don't uh, simply call a quarterback sneak or direct snap to the running back rather than than putting uh, uh, than rolling out. Josh uh, Josh Herbert and making a play. Of course, they won the game, and I'm just telling you what I'm seeing from their perspective. But, man, I tell you, Geno Smith, of all people, Geno Smith is fourth in quarterback rating right now. And, of course, they're three and three. They won. I uh, don't think too much of that Arizona team. I do like. Uh, the maturity of as far as throwing the football as a football player. I like what I see from Kyler Murray, but as far as their coaching is concerned, uh, their running game, their game preparation, uh, I know that they're a better team than, than, than Seattle. 
and and Seattle had control of that game early, and they never really let it go. I know you say, well, it's at Seattle, but yeah, Seattle's get rid of one of their best defensive players. Uh, another player retired. Uh, Bobby Wagner got rid of him. Uh, another player retires. Uh, they've had some really, really bad, bad defenses on the road. We saw the the game that Taysom Hill had against Seattle, but they won. They won convincingly um, against Arizona. But hey, Geno Smith's three and three, right? So you got Geno Smith's three and three on that team. Uh, they're fourth in QBR. He, he is fourth in QBR. Uh, he's taking advantage of of Lockett and and DK Metcalf, who just got a new contract, by the way. And then you look at Denver last night. <laughs> Denver is two and four, and Russell Wilson is getting. I want to say that most of their sacks came from him being in the shotgun, and one of them was up the middle, Pickles. It was it was a uh, my dad would call it a jailbreak. It was like a jailbreak sack up the middle, and now they're saying that he he's got this bad hamstring and whatnot. But okay, but he's still making big throws in the first half. Remember when I was doing the show last night, uh, the Broncos got off to a uh, a ten nothing start. Also, let me mind you, it just popped in my head, folks that uh, tomorrow, Kavarius Tears, he's not going to be on. Uh, University of Tennessee baseball player. Uh, he's had some stuff come up. He says he has a, uh, uh, let's see, uh, says he has uh, pretty hectic and uh, uh, infield and outfield meetings that up at night. He said he, he's going to try to get on the program sometime around Christmas break or, or uh, Thanksgiving break. Wanted to get that out. Plus, Jack Hirsch is not going to be on the program Thursday. So you're going to have me solo for the next three days uh, coming up with content. And I, I really welcome the schedule. Uh, just wanted to say that. I knew I was getting something off a little bit beforehand. Anywho. Okay, so going back to Russell Wilson, he's 25th in QBR. He's getting sacked up the middle by uh, the pass rush. And my thing about Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett being over his head, one thing, their defense is still one of the tops in the league. Uh, they were uh, first in the NFL against the pass. Very first in the NFL against the pass. Uh, and, and they're pretty. They're not too far off against the run, actually. I couldn't believe that. But you got to look at Wilson, and you got to look at, uh, Wilson does take some of the blame here. If you listen to guys like Colin Cowherd, Wilson's never done anything. He's never made a sin in his life. But the truth of the matter is, they got up the 10-0 lead. So essentially, essentially, that was in the first quarter. Essentially, that is past your scripted plays. That's an observation that I came up with. So once you get past your scripted plays, then it's coming up to quarterback making a call, making a play, and executing it. Uh, a lot of that is going to go on Wilson. That is going on Wilson. Now, I don't know how good a, or bad, in air quotes, that a guy like Nathaniel Hackett is, but this team, his movement, they look a tick off, man. I mean, they still look a tick off. They play. Now, like I said, I predicted this. But now that it's already happened from last week, I got to explain why uh, what I'm seeing here uh, for, for this particular game. You know, I really don't like the way teams play from Thursday to Sunday. That being said, the Colts played well. The Colts played well. They scored 30-something points. Uh, that was against Jacksonville, but Jacksonville shut them out uh, in week, was it week two? Uh, Jacksonville shut them out down in Jacksonville. So you got to look at it from that perspective as well. They played a Thursday game. That's my thing. I don't know what it is about teams play Thursday game. The next week they don't play that well. And these guys had from Thursday to Monday where it looks like that that Wilson is a tick off, man. I mean, he's just – he's not getting through his read. It's like he's playing in slow motion, you know. 
uh, he, he's not taking dump down passes. And I think that it's something to do with that coach is so non-confrontational. And really so is Wilson. Wilson's a pretty, uh, you know, let, let's go Bucks guy or let, let's go Broncos, let, let's go Seattle. And uh, you could see one of his young receivers had done nothing in this league. This was on video a few weeks ago, Pickles. Uh, giving him the business uh, on the sideline. This is a 34-year-old, two-time Super Bowl quarterback, some 23-year-old kid, player, uh, like a third receiver or somebody, giving him a hard way to go. And that is something that you shouldn't allow happen. Now, maybe the fact that – now, he's a great big old guy. He's he's not tall, but he's thick. He's a thick quarterback, and I've liked the way he's played over the years. Don't get me wrong. But he's probably a very passive guy, and – his there, there's some envy from this guy's teammates going all the way back to Seattle for him getting preferential treatment. Uh, he's got the member, he's got the superstar girlfriend, uh, who is a hip hop star or whatever, a pop star. I don't, I don't know what her RB, whatever. Uh, Sierra, very good looking woman, high profile woman, and there's some envy there from his teammates, which means there's a little bit of uh disrespect there that comes with that envy of course respect is earned you know and uh, sometimes that may be having to get in one of those guys face and get the rear end squared away like a guy like a Troy Aitman a Dan Marino uh, a John Elway even a Peyton Manning remember he got into it with his center uh Jeff Saturday on the sideline when he's mic'd up you know uh Peyton Manning's nickname is the sheriff you know so this is some things that's rolling. These problems with Wilson and criticisms of Wilson, I just took it as uh, the guys are just being haters in Seattle, but he's so passive uh, that those problems with his teammates from Seattle seem have have come with him to Denver, if that makes any sense. And, of course, you don't really have to like each other in life and uh, be good teammates uh, to uh, uh, coexist at work, but you really have to respect each other. There's a lot of people that in my job, in my job, I could not stand people that I manage, my managers, uh, subordinates, subordinates, right? That I could not stand, but they respected me and I respected them. And if they didn't, uh, I was going to get it one way or another. One of us were going to have to go, okay? And I'm a pretty quiet guy at work. I kind of mind my own business, and I do my own thing. But quarterback position, uh, you have to be somewhat vocal. You don't have to be crazy loud like Brady was on the sideline. And Keyshawn Johnson said he wouldn't have been talking to me like that. He's hollering at these offensive lines. But you do have to be a an effective communicator. Eli Manning's a pretty effective communicator, even though he was quiet. But that was his his demeanor. But he did communicate with his players, with his teammates uh, beside him. And that may be something with, with Wilson, you know. Uh, and, the, and, and Pickle says there's no structure, no leader. So Hackett seems to be, you say, Robert, you're saying this every week because it's I'm seeing it on the field. I'm seeing it on the field. The coach is supposed to uh, – set that standard that is true but at some point the player is going to have to get the respect of his teammates and it's usually earned you know um there was a linebacker one time and i can't remember his name he used to play for he played for the 49ers he played for the raiders and um he's really a wild kind of uh romanowski romanowski pickles uh, I remember him talking about playing with Charles Haley. And Charles Haley uh, was bullying him around in practice, bullying him, bullying him, hassling him in practice. And he says that, you know, I belted him about five times, uh, talking about punched him, and then that stopped. That that stopped. And you would think a 34-year-old two-time Super Bowl wouldn't have to do that, but his – his personality with the fact that um, 
his personality. I just got a notification about uh, Bill Romanowski. Yeah, yeah. Bill Romanowski is a guy that just uh, – he was kind of a crazy guy. I think he was on roids too, but I uh, wouldn't really take any crap. Remember, he put a guy's eye out. Now, that's a linebacker. You say this is a quarterback. Well, quarterbacks have to be vocal. Then you know, They have to be somewhat vocal. That was a big knock on a guy like Marcus Mariota here at Tennessee. Now, he's playing decent. Uh, nobody's expecting anything from Atlanta and Seattle, and maybe that's why the Seahawks are playing well because they know that nobody's expecting anything. They're playing loose. They're playing free. Uh, guys like me said that they would probably get the first overall pick, I thought, because they're getting rid of players left and right. They're kind of trying to clean out some cap space. They get all these draft picks. Uh, when you put a guy like uh, Geno Smith as your quarterback or Drew Locke as your quarterback, you're, you're thinking that we're going we're gonna to lose probably uh, most, if not all, the games. We're going to get a top draft pick. Well, they've got three wins already. <laughs> they're, five, they're tied for first place, for crying out loud, with the Rams. And uh, so – but but Denver only had a, it's a totally different situation. You got over a two hundred million dollar contract here to a guy that's thirty four years old. And I was reading about Wilson that they can't even. I mean, by twenty twenty five, if they cut him, if they cut him by twenty twenty five, that's still a thirty one million dollar cap hit. It's it's twenty two. That's three seasons from now. And that's probably why the, the Bronco fans are booing him like nobody's business. So my guess is, possibly, since you've got new ownership with Deep Pockets, the Walton family there, uh, could they fire Nathaniel Hackett after one year if they go, say, 5-12 and 12, and they're a top-five pick that goes, to, that goes to the Seattle Seahawks We'll put them in good driving position. Uh, possibly. Possible with their pockets, and they're looking at a guy like Russell Wilson and the dead cap with the Wilson. Uh, it's not out of the question. Now, remember Arizona moved off of Josh Rosen after one year? They moved after, off their head coach. I think it was Joseph. Uh, after one year. So it's a possibility that they could move off Hackett if they really think Hackett is the issue, and it's really just they got a they they got a bill of goods for Wilson, and the the narrative that we all bought into, that we all bought into, including including the ownership and other general managers. I want to say Jim Ursay. I was reading some stuff on him. I didn't get a chance, folks, to get involved in into that story deep enough because I'm doing a lot of research, a lot of stuff on my mind today. But Jim Ursay was saying that um, he was saying something like, Daniel Snyder, there is merit for us to vote him out. They need 24 votes for that. But when I was researching Ursay about that story, which I'll probably talk about that tomorrow, the Daniel Snyder story, uh, that he may get ousted out of the NFL, perhaps, perhaps. And he he's made uh, some, uh, oh, God, uh, there's been rumors that he's he's gotten private investigators looking to other owners if 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 he gets ousted or whatever. I digress. Jim Irsay though, uh, he supposedly was interested in Russell Wilson too, and they end up getting uh, Matt Ryan. Okay, and I want to say that that Washington was also in that group. Daniel Snyder, right? But he he was basically saying, I'd rather go to a team without an owner. That was at that time without an owner, then go to a team with an owner with a bad reputation. So my point is, there were other teams that was convinced, that were convinced that Russell Wilson was still a top-flight quarterback. He was on a bad team. He was taking a lot lot of salary cap space. And uh, things got stale with Pete Carroll. Some of the pro football focus ratings with some of their players were bad. Uh, they couldn't hold a defense. They, they, their offensive line was terrible. And all that doesn't look to be true, except for their defense is still pretty bad. Uh, with a guy like Geno Smith, could be fool's gold, guys. We're only in week six, but I have to tell you, 
what I see through the first six weeks of the season. Okay. So it, it's it's one of those things where you don't want to have, I don't want to put together a narrative when the story is still developing my head. Okay. I don't want to put that in there because they are pretty good still defensively. They're still one of the top passing defenses. Look at look at how they held back uh uh that that high flying charger team, you know. Held them to 19 points going into overtime, you know, and, and that that team, you could just see the talent just oozing off those players, particularly Justin Herbert, the way he moves in and out of the pocket. I think he he looks like he's pretty much healed from that rib injury. I don't know how he's done it, but he has. And you know, not they beat a dead horse week in and week out, but Sean Payton's in L.A. He's been hanging out in L.A., doing some Fox work, and part of me thinking he is chomping at the bit to get that job, you know, because that job is Super Bowl action because you're in, what, year three, I want to say, with Herbert. Next year will be year four. That could be a year you could go at their Super Bowl. And also some observations in that game, J.C. Jackson was benched in that game. Their top free agent cornerback, cornerback, not acquisition. Now, of course, you know, Cleo Mack was probably their biggest um, acquisition, I think, in the offseason. But you look at J.C. Jackson, they got over $10 million from the, um, I don't know, maybe more than that. I can't remember. Uh, He was a free agent over from New England. And now I'm reading that New England's corners are doing better than he was. So a part of that was that the Belichick, and that's another argument I can bring on tomorrow, that that Belichick was being disrespected, and now he's starting to look like Belichick again. He just likes to work out the new kinks. He's always working to get better, you know. So uh, I'm not in love with neither one of these teams. Uh, They're still... Uh, some there's more promise obviously in the Chargers because they look like they're just faster and the the, the offense uh, flows more fluidly from from Herbert versus the Russell Wilson team. Okay, so it, it is just it, it is a very very slow start there for um, for the C, for the Denver Broncos and I don't know if it's going to get any better anytime soon. Uh, Melvin Gordon was benched. He's got fumble problems. Uh, Javante Williams is out. He's out for the season. Now they've got um, Latavius Murray. Looks decent. Looks decent there running back. Uh, Still got a decent receiving core. Uh, From the left side, he wasn't getting blasted really that much. And that was from his uh, – they lost his left tackle. They're getting blasted right up the middle with him coming out of the shotgun, which means – he needs to get communication with his hot rating, Russell Wilson. So all that is it, it's it's his uh, pocket awareness, and obviously that's coaching as well. But uh, there's certain things that you got to know as a quarterback, particularly as a vet, of, of where to change out, uh, know where your hot read is, and get rid of the ball. Sound like an expert, right? I'm just listening and repeating what I'm hearing. A hot means basically somebody's getting through. Some running back needs to know or tight end or whatever. The ball's coming to him in a hurry because so, uh, somebody missed an assignment and my rear end is toast if I don't get rid of this ball. I've got a guy 300 pounds running at me uh, very hard right now. <laughs> so that is my, all that is my observations for last night's game, which leads me now to my power five, okay? All right, so... That the power five here, obviously Buffalo is number one. I know a lot of these ranking systems will put Philadelphia at number one. Uh, Philadelphia does not have a loss. Uh, they have a lot of speed and everything on offense and defense. But Buffalo getting that big road win at Kansas City, it's really hard to say that that is a um, – that that is a bad team. I mean, again, they're top five in both offense and defense. No other team is top five in both. 
And they're pretty close to the top. I'm on like number one and number two, I want to say. Uh, a total, we're talking total defense. And again, we talked about this yesterday. Devin Singletary, 17 carries. That is something you want to stay with if you're Buffalo. Uh, you, you don't want to forget to do that. We know what Josh Allen can do. Uh, I don't like Allen doing as much running. I really I know that hurdle looked cool on TV. He could have got hurt with that hurdle he did. Uh, I mean, I'm really cutting for criticism here. I really have to look hard for criticism with Buffalo. Uh, pass rush, defensive coaching, offensive play calling, uh, quarterback play, wide receiver play. Uh, I, I was looking at this um, view online here. Uh, from Gabriel Davis on, on Twitter, somebody put a view. Uh, actually, it was Gabriel uh, Davis himself, and it's showing the referee camera view, and the ref is showing, and it's an outside, like an eagle-like view of it, and you can see the ball running through the air. In other words, he had he had thrown that ball way before he was close, even close to that spot. Very good timing route between. Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis, perfect six touchdown there. Uh, but, yeah, they played really well on both sides of the ball. Look at their resume. They beat Tennessee, who's leading their division. Uh, they beat Kansas City, who's leading their division. And uh, they beat Baltimore. At one time, they were leading their division, too. So those are three big wins. So if you want to do strength of schedule, if this was – college football, uh, you still got to put them at number one. Yeah, they did slip up against Miami for a number of reasons, particularly on that short week game. But uh, And they had a chance to win that game. They had, what, five starters go out. Excuse me. They're in the game, folks. Oh, sorry. Oh, should be getting tired this early. Mm. So, um, anyways, uh, you know, still got them at number one. Yeah. Philadelphia, number two, obviously that was a really good win. They did not blink once they gave up uh, 17 unanswered. They go right back down, get a score. It seems like when they feel, feel really challenged, they just put it in turbo gear. You know, turbo man, right? Remember that from Jingle All the Way movie with uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, oh, God, Sinbad. Very funny movie. Anyways. But they put in turbo move, and then they get the lead right back. And then they never gave it up again, went on and went, beat Dallas. They're 6-0, and uh, you know, and they're still 8th in defense, 5th uh, in passing defense, 10th in run defense. Uh, they're playing really well. They're playing really well. Again, I would load the box on them, do like what coaches call that mush rush, and I wouldn't make uh, a Jalen Hurts throw to beat me, he would have to, and he may do it because, uh, you know, A.J. Brown, him and him, him and A.J. Brown have a lot. They've been very loud in the offseason, uh, and they've backed it up so far. Uh, Nick Sirianni, I heard him, a little soundbite of him. Now, this is something a negative. This is a criticism. Uh, he's hollering, how about them Eagles? How about them Eagles trying to mock the Cowboys? Uh, being cocky like that, what well, goes around does come around, you know? Uh, he was acting a little cocky in the in a post uh, cameras in front of the not the post game press conference. Kind of heard him say that, and I thought, okay, that sounds very Bill O'Brien, something like Bill O'Brien would do. Uh, keep that in mind, you know, because that sounds like a guy whose emotions are really high and really low, and you're going to hit a low point at some point this year. They're not going to go. They're not going to go seventeen and zero. They're not. They got a bad week this week, but they're not going to go seventeen and zero. And and Pickle says, uh, double A.J. Brown, put him in a box. Yeah, see him hit Devontae Smith, see what they can do with uh, with Dallas Goldberg. And they may be able to do all that. They may be able to do that. And I would make Jalen Hurts beat me, you know, because I've been watching him from college. He has made some good throws. He's getting rid of the ball pretty quickly. But it, it, he's not standing back there and going through reads, though. It just feels like that, that uh, Brown is, seems to be getting open. He seems to be getting open, and it's in some timing routes. So I, you, you play press man, put the eight in the box, kind of rotate your defense around uh, for the linebackers and do some shifting and just come right after him every time and see what he can do. 
And he made he may destroy you, but I, that's the way I would play him. I wouldn't sit back there and let them run on me like that, you know. But they're not even the top running team. I mean, Cleveland is running the ball great. They, oof, I don't even want to get started on the Browns with with Jacoby Brissett. But anywho, they're number two. They were number two last week. They're still at two this week. Uh, Kansas City, I still got at number three, even though they've got two losses. Uh, very strong game. Remember, they had the lead for the, a good chunk of this game. Buffalo comes back and takes the lead. Kansas City could still run the ball well, uh, even though but Buffalo put a stop to it. They're still developing their, their new chemistry, uh, their new core of players, per se. And they're still doing really well. And plus, they're getting guys back. Was it Buckner? Their, their, their kicker is back. And I want to say, I don't think it was this week, it probably next week, that they're getting their cornerback, uh, rookie, a high draft pick. They'd be get him back as well. Uh, this team has a lot of upside, man. Uh, would they be favored against Philadelphia in a neutral site? Absolutely. Would I take them against Philadelphia? Absolutely. I would take them against anybody. So Buffalo, you know, I would take them against anybody in the league uh, itself for, for Buffalo. And it's just, you know, the league is that there's just a lot of teams getting off to a crappy, crappy start, man. You know, and I didn't really think I would put this team at number four, but hey, they've only got one loss. They're five and one, and they got manhandled by Philadelphia. That turned out to be a big win for Philadelphia a few weeks ago. Um, was it week? Was it week two? Yeah, week two on Monday night. Uh, it was Minnesota. Now, Minnesota is 12th in total defense. That's not bad. That's up 10 spots from last year. Yes, I said it. 10 spots from a Zimmer coach defense to uh, the defense they have now defensively. Uh, Double talking here. Now, 14th in points scored, so they're still middle of the road. You think they're really lighting it up? No, they're about 14th. They're middle of the league. Uh, Kirk Cousins not making a lot of mistakes here. A uh, lot of preseason hype on Justin Jefferson, and he's backing it up every week. Every week he's backing it up. And, of course, you've got Dalvin Cook there. Good running game. Heck of a win there. That was a good win. Miami's still got a lot of good defensive players there. Good running game themselves. Playing from Minnesota, even though I knew they do play in a dome. Going all the way down to Miami in that 85-degree heat. Uh, when they're not used to going down there during the regular season. Remember, they're an NFC North team. You rarely, rarely see them come down to Miami. I know they played in Tampa a few years ago. But uh, that was a big win for them. Hey, look, they're 5-1. and one. And another team. Now, again, this is you're looking at the records. You're looking at the power five for the week. The, the Giants. The Giants are 5-1. and one. Winning. Uh, went on the road, won a game against Green Bay without three wide receivers starters out there and of course same thing this week against the ravens a team that was leading the afc north and the media couldn't quit going on about how great lamar jackson is boy they're quiet this week ain't they pickles but uh man i mean down 10 points again except this was in the fourth quarter they were down 10 points at halftime to tennessee in week one Come back and win both games. Uh, uh, Saquon Barkley, second in the league in rushing. And their, their second half adjustments, their second half adjustments have been really well. Uh, done really well. Brian DeBall here, this guy is, is uh, coach of the year so far. You look at that Leonard Williams has been in and out. Uh, K1 Thibodeau, their defensive line. Uh, this guy's been hurt preseason into the regular season. So he was, they were expecting a lot of him. He's been in and out. Leonard Williams, probably their best defensive overall player. And guess what? They're still five and one. So that Dallas team, that went over the Giants looks pretty good right now. That looks really good for, for, for Dallas. But, uh, hey, man, five and one's five and one. Bill Parcells, former New York Giant coach, said it. Uh, you are what your record says you are, and and they 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 were five and one. So these two, I don't expect these two to be here in the next week or so. I expect to put maybe 
put back a Cincinnati, somebody like that. Uh, maybe a few uh, healthy players later, put back a 49ers, even though they've got some injuries of their own. Maybe, maybe Tampa, maybe Tom Brady is hearing this criticism and the light bulb goes off from him. Uh, uh, what about this L.A. Charger team? They won again last night. If they go up and win on Sunday, maybe I put that team in this top five as well. We know the Chargers are talented. We know that. Uh, we know they have a Super Bowl talent. We're just questioning that coach. You know, he seems a little bit over his head at times. They look really good at times, and then they look lost at times. You know, running game, defensive line, offensive line still kind of holding up. So they're a team that could get back in it. Uh, could Green Bay go on a tear? Uh, Green Bay lost 17 points at home. If they don't play good damn this week, uh, they don't have any self-pride or, or, or dignity. Now, it seems like we go through this every year for Green Bay where they hit a low and Aaron Rodgers makes a big speech with the media saying, relax, and that, that clip gets played over and over again, and they usually do turn it around. They usually do turn around, but their defense isn't playing as on tip-top as it should be with Jar Alexander back. But I could see them going on a run. Pickle says, Thanksgiving, we'll see who's who. Yeah, we're still kind of figuring out who's who. Maybe a Tennessee gets there. You know, Tennessee has got to play the Colts this week off of a bye week. Uh, they lost their first two. Now they've won three straight. I think they'll probably beat Tennessee. I think they'll probably beat the Colts on Sunday. So that would be four straight. So it's still a lot of football to be played out there. And I just like to go through uh, who's playing what, do the weekly power five. I know everybody does it, but mine's a little bit different from everybody else. So speaking of football and stadiums, I'll go ahead and stay in the NFL. Uh, I live out of Nashville. People's been asking me for the past two days, what do you think about this dome situation? Well, I'll say, first of all, most of the time, the weather's here is not too bad. I would rather Tennessee get a retractable roof, but I guess the price tag for that would be that much higher. Uh, it's a $2.2 billion. Let me make sure and get this right here. It's a... Man, this thing is really something. I want to say is it's $2.2 billion stadium here for the Titans. And that is that is that is pretty expensive, man. Uh Titans say more than two billion dollars needed to be this is from Forbes. Uh two big needed to create a proposed new venue will pay uh, 840 million of that will come from the team. 500 million of that will come from the state of Tennessee. I'll come back to that. And 760 million of the revenue. Uh, bonds issued by Metro Sports Authority to be repaid via a personal seat license, also known as PSL. Uh, you, you play ahead, you, you get that seat license added up too. So, yeah, and, and the uh, the mayor here, the mayor here says that essentially, not a, a, a this. This tax money is not going to come from, um, what did he say? Mayor John Cooper is this guy's name. I don't keep up with our mayor. I keep up with the national stuff. But I don't hardly keep up with our mayor here. He says that the new stadium proposal protects Metro taxpayer money, single dollar that would be spent elsewhere as far as core priorities, education, and public safety. In other words, they're not going to, take away from the schools or the police department budget to, to put $500 million of the stadium. So my question would be where, what, what, what money is that 500 million going to come from? You know? So what, what money, uh, and pickle says it 2.5 billion before it's finished. So you have a chunk of it that, that the ownership is going to play. Right. And, and then you have, uh, what did I say? Seven hundred is going to come from uh, eight hundred something, then seven hundred. So you're up to uh, one point five 
and then you go up to two from from the to, from the taxpayers. So I did some research, and this took me a long time because I was curious because people's been people have been asking me about. Uh, what I think of this sort of thing. Now, I do think it's good to have a Super Bowl here and all that stuff. But, you know, when I start to think about asking the, the taxpayers to pay, what other business asks the, the citizens of their new community to have the city pay for their building? You know, so these owners, they asked me to, okay, so, you're the owner and you're asking me taxpayer to build your building. Okay. Then you're going to charge me a premium for parking at your building. Then you're going to charge me three times as much for refreshments. Not to mention you're going to charge me tickets for the game as well. So, and then I looked up, how much does this bring as revenue? How much money does this stuff actually bring as revenue? And there was a uh, investigative.org site, pretty interesting site. It stated that the cities experience little economic benefit from stadiums. So it's more of a national advertisement uh, for new companies and business, and it's more for sentimental value. Uh, to build these stadiums here. And I'm a big football fan. And I'm the guy that talks football and everything. But I'm just looking at it from a financial standpoint. Essentially, they, there's no... And, and you say, well, don't they lease the stadium back? Yes. So the owners will lease the stadium from the city, right? So they'll, they'll lease the stadium for 2 to $3 million a year for 30 years. So just say it's $3 million. In a 30-year lease, three times three, uh, that's $90 million over 30 years. So you're recouping $90 million of, say, a $500 million. So you still got a fifth of that left over. You still got a chunk of that left over. And you're thinking, well, what about property tax? Well, they don't own the stadium. The city owns the stadium. So they, they, they don't, you don't get back from property tax. So... It's a big scam, but people still c continue to put up with it because we're so addictive to, to football. Uh, it, it's the most watched TV show out there, you know. And these are the actual facts here, you know. Uh, so what are they actually paying? I mean, what, what are the owners, uh, what are they actually paying? Uh, nothing. I mean, yeah, well, they, they come up with yeah, now Amy Adams Strunk, she came up with 800 million, you know, for the stadium. And I understand that uh, you can use these stadiums to lease them out for other venues and stuff. But according to this article, you, you don't really make that money back. It, it's good sentimental value. Does it attract other businesses? Uh, does it, does it, uh, does it attract other businesses through the advertisement, through television revenue, uh, just for showing your stadium on TV? But that's really for the national games. So it, it you know, it took me a lot of time to get this, but I, I just think that it it is ridiculous to ask the people to pay for these things. You know, if everybody said the same thing, and Jim Ursay. And I like Jim Mercer, the owner of the Colts. He seems like a nice guy. He's he's real adamant about throwing out Daniel Snyder. But I'm thinking, you know what your dad did? Your dad wanted the city of Baltimore to, to uh, renovate uh, that stadium for almost 200. It was a lot of money back in 1984. And the taxpayers didn't want to do it. I mean, you pay for your own stadium, man. You know? You're charging us crap. Now, Arthur Blank, by the way, as far as refreshments, he supposedly charges normal prices. But most of these stadiums, they charge you three times the amount. And they make a lot of money off TV revenue. And it's for entertainment purposes. But as far as pure economics, when it goes to these stadiums, it's it's like a big scam, you know? It, it is a major scam for people to have to pay for this stuff. But so, so basically what happened going back to Baltimore, so the city's like, no, and uh, 
from what I read, uh, the city was trying to take the team from him, and it got into some crazy legal battle. And the, uh, the taxpayers were not going to pay to renovate his stadium. So he up in the middle of the night in March, uh, got a bunch of moving trucks up there. And they moved to Indianapolis. They, they, they moved to Indianapolis in the middle of the night and just left them high and dry with an empty stadium. You know, they left and, and, and the, uh, the Ravens, the Baltimore Colts didn't get another team until, uh, what was it? 1996. And you know what happened with them? They took Cleveland's team. And then Cleveland finally got a team. But, you know, seeing you know, for a long time, the NFL was considered a nonprofit. And these guys, and of course, later on, this was only like 15, 20 years ago, I found this out. This was considered a nonprofit. And then later on, they started paying their own bills, man. So, uh, I don't like that aspect of it, of these stadiums and everything. I just don't like that. And I'm starting to figure out. Now, uh, to the guy who owns Walmart, uh, one of the family, the, the owner of uh, the Rams, now he paid for the whole stadium. Now, he did up and leave town, though. And, and St. Louis sued him because uh, he broke his lease. And all. Now, he paid that. He settled that suit. So he paid that out. And he did build his own stadium, no taxpayer money. So kudos to the owner of SoFi Stadium. Kudos to him. But, you know, these guys can pay for their own stadium, man. They, I mean, yeah, I know a lot of these owners don't have that kind of liquidity, which is just cash on hand. Yes, you're going to have to borrow some of that, but you're liking a lot of money each year. Uh, I want to say it's up in the hundreds of millions, something like that. Pay your own stuff back. Most of these owners have other businesses outside. Pay your loan off. Get it taken care of, and 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 let the people. Uh, now, of course, I, I'm okay with cutting them tax breaks as you are competing like that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with. Hey, man, you want to bring up here? This would be great for the city. Put a lot of hype on the city. A lot of advertisement to the city. We'll cut you a break. We're not going to tell these people over here to foot the whole bill. Build your own stadium. You know, the bigger the hustle of American history, the besides the railroads, Walmart, swimming in money. Yeah. The pickle says, Ursay, uh, left in the middle of the night. Yeah. While thousands of homeless. Yeah. You got homeless around here. Uh, now, of course, that's a problem everywhere. I mean, in LA too. But uh, pickle says, a dollar is worth more than, than a billion, a dollar tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's just uh, the, the flip side. Yes, they're going to get a Super Bowl here. Remember the Titans? They had the, uh, um, oh, God, uh, who did they have here? Uh, they had the draft here. Uh, so they're going to get a Super Bowl from this. Uh, they're going to get the final four. It's just going to be more growing pains for the city. But overall, I like it. But I don't like that part of it. I don't like the and I start to get older and reading about taxes and all that stuff. It that 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 is a scam and and enough people around the country uh, in these bigger cities need to ask. Okay, Walmart don't tell us to renovate their building. They they we're buying from Walmart. Okay, we're ba we're making them money. So you fix your own buildings. Okay. Anywho, like Forrest Gump said, that is all I have to say about that uh you know what this was the best game of the week pro in college uh going to going back to football the games itself uh tennessee beat alabama first first win in 15 years over alabama uh both of these teams were undefeated in 1989 that's the last time they played when they were both undefeated at the was it the second saturday in october or third saturday in october whatever and now Tennessee is number three. Uh, but Fox Sports put out a stat here. Fox Sports says the only one team in the country that could say has, has four ranked wins this season is Vol football. So you can make a case. You can make a case for Tennessee to be number one in the country. You can make that case right now. You know? 
and, and I did that off the top of my head before I read that stat. I was thinking about it before I even looked up this stuff. You know, I've had some uh, signal problems here at my place. Uh, that man, I think Tennessee's got the best resume. I knew they had a better resume than Ohio State, considering in fact Notre Dame got beat by Marshall, right? And you look at Alabama, they beat Alabama, who's been up and down. And you look at Georgia, who they beat, they beat up on one really good, a decent Oregon team, but and they're national champions and all. But I mean, they beat teams like Missouri and who they play last week, Vanderbilt. So they, they, they the resume is better for Tennessee, right? So you can make that argument. So as we talked about on Friday's program, Josh Heupel, Josh Heupel is, uh, that was the biggest win of his whole career. You know, that, that, that is a legendary, that is a, uh, uh, a staple in this guy's career. You know, this team got a lot of, of exposure. We talk about, we just talk about stadiums just now. Uh, the Vols, uh, this was 11 million, 11 million views here on this game because it was a high score and 52, uh, 40 something score here, you know. And CBS Public Relations put out CBS delivered a massive NFL and college football audience, totaling more than 50 million in viewership. And a lot of that was from Bruce Feldman puts out Tennessee's Alabama grade. Uh, Tennessee Alabama rated as the most watched Tennessee Alabama game since 1987, and it was the most watched college football game on any network. 11.6 million views. I mean, that is that's better than the NBA. That's go. That's coming up on uh, the NFL. Now I think NFL is close to 20, so I don't want to get too crazy. The 11 million is a lot of people, and it's the most watched. So, all right, now back to Josh Heupel. So. Is Josh Heupel the real deal for Tennessee? Is is he going to take this team? Are they going to be a powerhouse for now on? I mean, I talked to the guys at work. I mean, they really think Tennessee is going to be just just balling out of control for now on. Is this going to be a is he going to be a Gene Chizik type of coach? Uh, you say who's Gene Gene Chizik? Gene Chizik came. Uh, he was five and nine at Iowa State. And for whatever reason, in 2009, uh, Auburn hires Gene Chizik, this Iowa State football coach. So the 2009 was his first year. He goes seven, eight and five. He goes eight and five first year. Nothing real impressive. So the next year, the next year, they get Cam Newton. It was a controversial transfer. Newton got into some trouble in Florida. Back then, you had to wait, set out a year. So he goes to a smaller school one year, plays really well. Uh, controversy about him getting money or whatever. Couldn't really prove it. Couldn't prove it in air quotes. But get Cam Newton. We know what happened in 2010. 14-0 national championship. And that was a great energetic season. Only the next season to go... Eight and five, three and nine. Then it, two seasons later, he was fired. And you say, well, why are you saying that? Well, because Josh Heupel was at, but when he was hired, I thought it was an awful hire. I mean, Josh Heupel essentially at UCF, I want to say, right? At UCF, Heupel has. Uh, he comes in at like 12 and 2 the first year. Then he goes like uh, this was for Scott Frost. Remember, they were playing really well in UCF, a lot of good players. Uh, of course, Frost just got fired in Nebraska. It didn't work out for him. But then he goes like eight and five. And then he goes like uh, I want to say he only wins like six games. So my my base, my opinion, uh, my point is, I didn't actually write down his record, but he 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 starts to go down afterwards uh go starts off great ucf it starts to go downward so you, you you look at that and you say all right well that's very similar to gene chizik right 
Or could he be like a Dabble Swinney? Now, Dabble Swinney, he comes over as a interim in 2008, and they're, they're okay then. And then 2009, 9 and 5, took a step back in 10. Then in 11, he goes 10 and 4, 11 and 2, 11 and 2. And then uh, 11 and 2, 10 and 3. Then you're starting to look at it, 2015, 14 and 1. Uh, a big bowl game there. Then a 16 national championship. Then he lost the national championship. Then he wins it again in 2018 and pretty much been a contender. Is this going to be like a Dabble Sweeney who Clemson guys, most of my life, Clemson was terrible. They were terrible. Uh, I know they were good in the late 70s, early 80s. I want to say it was Clemson Pickles that um, – Woody Hayes punched that player, the coach from Ohio State, punched that player. But, you know, my point is, Auburn really didn't get a big boost in recruiting from the win, uh, winning the national championship like he thought he was going to get. He was still going against Nick Saban, who was getting all the players, right? He was getting all the players. And Clemson didn't start off. They're... One of their uh, main quarterbacks, uh, there was a lot of hype and energy on a guy named Todd Boyd, and he was just okay. He was just okay, right? But then the offense gets better and better. Uh, then they start getting guys like Deshaun Watson, who put up a clinic in the national championship uh, uh, against Nick Saban. And then, of course, they got Trevor Lawrence. They got two national championships here. And then they've been in the playoffs a couple of times, too. I've said he's got a well of a resume, uh, Dabo Swinney. So, so how, how, how do, what is my analysis here? Essentially, his recruiting is good. Now, this year, 2023, this hasn't been updated, but 24 7, it's like real clear politics. They put all the recruiting services together and they come up with, uh, Tennessee is going to be 10th. They're going to be 10th next year. Now, early recruiting will start in December, right? Because we got the move update. And so far, I've heard of maybe one recruit switching over. But they are 10th now. They're they're 10th according to 24-7. And they've got the third highest ranked quarterback in the country. Uh, supposedly, he got a big deal some big NIL deal, and it really ticked off Lane Kiffin, so which tells me the guy's pretty good. His name is like uh, Nico something. And and he's out of California. He's got the big protege look. But you look at guys that are ahead of him, and I'm going to make sure I get this. You look at guys, uh, Nico Lamavalia, fifth nationally, he's third quarterback, uh, and they're 21st in transfer. That's that's a thing now, transfer portal, right? So uh, you, you really have to be around fifth to be a big national powerhouse in ranking. Uh, that is Georgia territory. That is Clemson territory. That is Alabama, Texas A&M, Texas territory. Now you look at Texas, Texas A&M, they're not quite playing as well as they probably should be with their recruiting, right? Uh, both of those teams, Lost to Alabama this year. So how did how did Dabo do it? Dabo did it by recruiting, uh, playing better than the than the stars on the players. You know, he 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 doing more with less is what. How did James Franklin get the Penn State job? He did more with less with Vanderbilt. So far, year two, yes. Uh, had he had a winning record last year, seven and six, six and zero oh so far this year doing more with less, but doing more with less has to come out in recruiting. So far, not yet, but close. He's got a 10th ranked class. Uh, you want that class, if you're a Tennessee fan, if you want to test, you want it to jump to about seven to five, preferably fifth this year if they win the national champ. That's a big if. That's a big if. They got T. Martin this week. I think they'll be okay. And then they got Kentucky, and then they got Georgia. That's the big one. But Kentucky's good. Kentucky's got a first-round draft pick, a quarterback, you know. So it, it, it you have to ask yourself because it, it's very close to 
Gene Chizik, right? He went downhill. Uh, he started going downhill after his initial surge, Gene Chizik, at Auburn. And you look at Heupel, he started off really good at UCF, and then he started going downhill. Now, of course, he, he he's, he's trending upwards now. He's trending upwards. But it's still something to kind of analyze to see if he's going to be this great coach. And my, my thing is, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'm somewhere between uh, uh, Sweeney and, of course, Chizik. I think he's better than Chizik. Uh, Sweeney, not so sure about. But I will say this, if you're a, and if you're a ball fan, their defense has gotten a lot better than last year. Their, their defense was that bad last year. Uh, they're 11th in run defense. Uh, that's in the country. That's not in the conference. That's in the country. So that's pretty decent. That is pretty decent for how bad they've been. You know, that means that you can't run on them and suck the air out of the stadium and their prolific offense. You got to go back and forth with uh, with Hendon Hooker, who's playing out of his mind right now. You know, and if you compare him to a guy like Lincoln Riley, he's having a better season. Lincoln Riley can't even get close to uh, Georgia or a uh, Alabama. They're getting demolished. You know, he's over there in USC. By the way, he lost at Utah last week, right? Uh, and, and of course, Pickle says, yeah. But, you know, Cam Newton came back, and he beat uh, Alabama, too, and it didn't turn into nothing. So that's something to think about. But I'll tell you what, if you're a Tennessee fan, a fan of college football, most people, if they're telling you the truth, would not say on October the 20, uh, October the 18th, that they would be talking about Tennessee. I would think I would be talking about uh, Georgia and Alabama. I think I would be talking about maybe Ohio State's underrated or overrated. Uh, what's LSU going to do? Uh, is AM a year early? That's what I figured I would be talking about. Because I know on paper, A&M's got a lot of really good players. Their freshman class is really good. But they're sluggish, man. They are sluggish. And they got some things to do. So that's going to be the big if and, and what and, and, and the odds and ins and outs uh, of them. Uh, another college, of course, um, you know, uh, Penn State. Not so good. Michigan, big win there. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's team last year wasn't a one-hit wonder. Uh, I, I think Al Borges was right. I, I do think he was right. I do think that um, Ohio State will have their hands full with Michigan, and Michigan may beat them in Columbus coming up in November. UCLA's ninth in the AP, by the way. And that's going to set up to be a good game between U UCLA and USC. Uh, I want to say that they're off this week, but Chip Kelly's got it rolling. You know, uh, I want to say, yeah, they play at Oregon. They were off last week. They got to play at Oregon, who's 11th. So there's a chance that if if a if a Clemson slips up. By the way, Clemson uh, beat LSU last week. They they got Syracuse, and. Uh, they may lose that. They still got Syracuse. That's they got Syracuse coming up. I don't know if it's this week. Syracuse undefeated, and of course they got Notre Dame and then Miami at home. Two teams that have not played as well. A uh, lot to be shaken out there with Clemson, of course Michigan, and Ohio State. Ohio State slightly overrated. Uh, I know that Stroud is, is really playing well. I like that Marvin Harrison. What about Hyatt from Tennessee? Five touchdowns. But I want to say it was Bruce Feldman that said that um, this kind of favors the LSU team for Tennessee back in 2019. Uh, that's what I compare them to. They kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody really saw Orgeron doing something. Orgeron on the verge of getting fired. No, Hyper wouldn't. He's only in year two, but that is something to uh, to keep your mind on. Uh, so tomorrow, something to think about tomorrow, uh, and yeah, and high, yeah, uh, he should be leading it by a mile. You got four ranked wins. You beat last year's Heisman Trophy winner. You beat the greatest coach of all time. 
you have a top three win uh, that's actually a top three team, unlike Ohio State, unlike a C.J. Stroud. Um, what else does he have to do? If he beats – if they go to the SEC Championship undefeated, it's a lock. Hendon Hooker's going to win the Heisman, not unless something happens he gets in trouble. God forbid. Okay. Tomorrow, we'll go over some NBA talk, folks. No guests tomorrow. Uh, and Jack Hirsch won't be here Thursday. So you're going to have me uh, tomorrow and Thursday struggling to get content. But I'll tell you what, talk about uh, uh, Charles Barkley, TNT deal. We'll get into that, that contract tomorrow. We'll get into some NBA tomorrow. I know the day the season starts with the, nobody's even paying attention. The NBA and, and Major League Baseball just don't understand. Do not compete with the NFL. Try not to even compete with them. Take advantage. Start your season on Christmas and, and have the finals in July, and those finals ratings will be out of this world in the NBA, and they just don't understand that. Uh, Major League Baseball in the playoffs, and that's too hard to keep up, folks. But anyways, if you like the show, share the show. I will be back on tomorrow, same place, same time, around uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. I forgot to do my commercial. I'm going to start doing it in the middle. So when I post my show, people won't think that I'm posting the same show over and over again. I'm actually posting different programs. So uh, we will try that again tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow, 7 p.m. Central Time, same place, same time, here on Sports Scope. Appreciate it, Pickles.